This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. It's great today to have a longtime friend and one that we've truly respected in her ministry from the ministry of presence and prayer and worship. She has a true understanding of this and has displayed and exemplified her, her love for God and passion for God through worship. But also in the world that we're living in today, we recognize how volatile things are. We really need to get back to the place of washing our mind in God's word and also the place of moving out of the spirit of God through his presence in prayer and worship. And so Natasha Miller is our guest today. I'm looking forward to talking with her, but also she's written a book called Praying What Jesus Says. It's actually a 31-day devotional that teaches us the power of praying God's word and equipping us to pray through Jesus's words uh, throughout the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it provides helpful insights into what Jesus said and how it should apply to our lives today. You know, especially with all the volatility in the world today, we really need to get back to what, you know, we've always said, what would Jesus do? We need to say, how would Jesus pray? What would Jesus say to us to pray and how to pray the words of Jesus? And, and I think it's a very, very timely devotional, along with the other things that Natasha is doing. So Natasha Miller, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to, you know, share what God is doing. Amen. Well, we've known each other for quite some time. Let's start from the kind of the beginning when we first kind of connected or years ago, and you were doing something called Soul Check. And that was a, an amazing terminology to me, but at the same time, it was something that we were desperately needing, even back then, that I think really is setting up a foundation for where we are today and reminding us we need the presence of God. Yeah, amen. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. I think just a couple of weeks ago, the, the Lord kind of put this on my heart that, that I am a habitationalist. And I reflected on all the things that he's had me do, you know, starting with soul check. And it's true. It was all about, you know, cultivating his habitation, crying out for his habitation. And when we have that perspective of having him, you know, habitate with us personally and, you know, within our households and then collectively, you know, with different places in the world, it's incredible. And from that revival has to come. But yet, like the end goal is the habitation. I think of when I was in martial arts and when we used to break boards. You know, when we would have the board in front of us, the focus was not on the board. The focus was past the board. And then because our focus was past the board, our hand or our foot or our elbow or whatever other appendage we were using to crack that board would go through the board instead of stop at the board because it all depended on focus. And so what I have been realizing God has had me do all this time is focusing on his habitation, mm. which, you know, invariably will have us experience revival, but then it allows us to cultivate and sustain well, that revival. Now, you're, you're an attorney, a uh, trained attorney, and you still practice law, but but what took you from that into uh, doing what was called soul check and then moving into what you're doing today? Pure obedience. <laughs> because, 
you know, I honestly, I just, when I got saved, I was so on fire for the Lord. I wanted to preach and I wanted to sing for the Lord. That Those were my focuses. And the Lord made it perfectly clear that he wanted me to go through law school. And I can see, I mean, for me, law school was spiritual boot camp. Not only did it, you know, train me in the laws of the land, but also it trained me in, in truly um, hearing from the Lord because, you know, in law school, you're just inundated. It's, it's impossible to do all the readings, you know, everything that they've laid before you. And so literally, you know, I got to experience the Holy Spirit tell me, tomorrow you're getting called on and this is the question. And I, I really developed that, um, you know, where he was able to have such a habitation with me that I knew what questions I would be called on. I knew when to leave the library and, and all of a sudden meet the certain people that I needed for the outlines that I needed. I mean, it was a, um, it was a spiritual boot camp for me, uh, which also though has allowed me to provide, you know, for myself and for the ministry. Because, you know, as an attorney, I can work fewer hours and then yet be able to be truly a missionary and, and do the work of God simultaneously. And you're also a wife and a mother, an attorney. You've got all these projects going on. Uh, but before you got married, when you really had this passion, you were an attorney, but you had this incredible passion to worship God, to sing, to write music. Uh, it's always been in you. And yet you've taken the gifts and the training in that boot camp you talked about from law school to really use your skills and organizational skills to bring it into this place of your desire for the habitation of God. So what year did you start Soul Check and, and, and how, how has that progressed? I know you've taken that all over the different countries and world, but uh, what, what began that process? And you, I remember the first one that I was a part of in Houston, you had 24 hours of, of seeking God and worship. It was powerful and so many different people were involved. What did God do to put that in your heart? to do that initially, what year was that? Well, the first one happened in 2009, but you know, I have to say, even in law school, the Lord had me do a 40 day fast. I think it really, a lot of the things I can say started there when I started fasting, it created a spiritual momentum so that when I graduated, he showed me that I needed to go to seminary. And then while in seminary in 2008. Well, wait, I gotta ask you, okay. Oh. Law school, everything else you're doing, and seminary. I mean, are, do you have a, a lack of anything to do? I mean, are you just excited about just staying focused <laughs> and training and constantly learning? I think, you know, it was one of one of my pastors uh, one day, because I said, why? Why is my life like, like this, you know? And he's like, Natasha, you know, when a weightlifter uh, or, or an athlete exercises, you know, usually they put on more weight. So during the competition, let's say if they're running, for example, you know, they usually, they, they'll, they'll practice with weights on. So when their weights are off, then they'll fly. He was like, you know, the Lord is just putting so much weight on you so that when it's off, you're going to be able to fly no matter what the circumstances. Great. So I, I think, I think that's kind of what I've been doing and developing a, a sheer perseverance because it's one of the things that I teach in the Haggai project that a prayer mentality we have to have is perseverance, perseverance, you know, in prayer, because some things definitely need to be contended for just like that widow who would go to the unjust judge, you know, but she kept going back and going back and in persistence and persistence. And that was an, um, an example of he's unjust, but yet we have a just father. And how will he not 
grant us something. So, you know, not only I think the building of character and being able to persevere um, in a multitude of situations and be, be able to multitask and handle several different things, but also I think really developing that perseverance and the discipline of, you know, being able to map out time and execute for the Lord. And then thus he can trust me with more. So, you know, it's all blessings all around. Okay, so I'm taking this back again to, because I see a progression here, that your passion for God, of course, all the, the legal training as an attorney, seminary, all those things, and the challenges I know we walked through and talked about even through that process, being a woman in, in the legal arena as well as in seminary, those kinds of things, and not to be a slide on anybody, but just the challenges of uh, being one who's so passionate for God, wanted all this training, and came up against a few hiccups, but we won't focus on that because uh, I really feel like you've been able to take the high road over and over and over again and look to the focus. And just like you, the analogy you gave earlier about when you're in martial arts, you look past the, the brick or past the board. So you weren't looking at the circumstance. You're looking at what God had promised beyond the circumstance, so to speak. Yes. And uh, so I want to take us back because with soul checking what you did in Guam and here and other places, that really was setting a foundation, but that was about presence, worship, and prayer. And then it's taking you into a, this progression to even the, the devotional you have now that is really word and prayer, but it's all birthed out of this desire for his presence. And I think praying the words of Jesus really do take us to that place of renewing our minds, getting his understanding of his nature, character, and spirit, and his word, so that we can move past some of the challenges and obstacles we see in our culture today. So take us back a little bit to where you started this desire to pray and to worship and then moving into, let's talk about your book and then also your devotional and then into the Haggai project really is a habitation about a place of prayer. So, you know, with Soltek, I can see what the Lord did kind of over time. There was, he would call each one because uh, I, I was uh, established in a sense that only if he called it would soul check happen. I never thought at that point that I would be kind of like an event planner, an event, you know, producer type. Like I never thought that would be within my wheelhouse, but you know, God knew he could trust me with it. And so it was executed. So we did the first one at discovery green. And then what happened each other soul check happened a year and a half um, from the next one. The next one was in uh, Reliant Arena, which is now the NRG Arena. And then the next one was actually in uh, the state of Washington. And it was in Bellevue, which is east of Seattle. And so what I saw, the Lord took me from the place where he had established me in Houston. And we went from, you know, a small park to an arena. And then he took us, actually at that point, Seattle was the darkest place in the United States. And he took us to that and he took us to Bellevue, which was kind of like the East Gate of Seattle and had us establish this, you know, 12 hour worship, um, prayer um, intensity, which is actually, it was all night. It was from 7 p.m. all through the night till 7 a.m. So very sacrificial. What I saw with, with Soul Check, you know, I, like, I was never 
paid. No one was ever paid. Actually, none of the worshipers, everyone actually sewed in to make it happen. And so you really had to believe God. Not only that, it was truly nameless and faceless. No one knew except, you know, the worship teams and maybe the, you know, pastors that I had spoken with knew that I actually was organizing it. You know, it was very, very low key and yet powerful. And then from there, the Lord called us to go to Guam, which is it was, I would say, the most darkest place within the United States. Guam is a, is a U.S. territory. You know, from that, I, we got to do the most intense warfare. In fact, uh, one of my articles that I wrote um, would deal with the prayer strategy that's in the book, Praying What Jesus Says, is a RDTP prayer strategy. And um, in my Guam experience, the Lord taught me that strategy because at one point we climbed the highest place technically, arguably, in the whole world, which is called Mount Lamlam, because what happens is the majority of it is under the sea. And really incredible things happened there. You know, I can go into it in the in, in another in another podcast. But what I would say is every single step of the way, the Lord was showing his hand, the Lord was allowing us to create a standard in the spirit of how worthy God is to truly for his people in purity, in spirit and in truth to come before him and create a place that would be habitable for him. And incredible testimonies. And I finished Guam. And then the Lord actually had me take a three-year hiatus from everything. He said, take three years off. And then the Lord allowed me to get married, have, a, have my firstborn. And from there, the Lord spoke to me after I gave birth to my firstborn. He was like, now write the book, which actually it's another book, but we use that book in the Haggai Project. And then in 2017, he said, pray for 100 days on social media starting January 1st. And so on January 1st, that is what I did. I started praying 100 days. And then from there, from that obedience, uh, basically the Haggai project was released because on the 90th day of that prayer sequence, my husband was called into his boss's office and they said, we're transferring you to Pennsylvania. 100th day, last prayer. I'm in the airport said the hundredth day of prayer. And we had moved our whole family, you know, five luggage, four boxes, everything else was in storage and we were gone. And there I began to see and observe God's hand. I hit all these things in my heart, but we started getting double things. You know, there was um, some tough circumstances, but the Lord allowed us to absolutely thrive through them. And I would say there's this theme of thriving that began occurring. Um, I was published twice. Two of my prayer strategies were published in two magazines. You know, it was just, I was um, nominated and accepted into America's National Prayer Committee. So a, a lot of things were happening and I was hiding it in my heart. And then in 2018, the Lord revealed it. I was asked to go speak at a youth conference and he said to speak on Haggai. I read Haggai and I realized that there was a time stamp in reference to his people, his believers building themselves as a house of prayer. And so that's where we came from when I was creating corporate, I would say corporate gatherings of the body of Christ and, and, and also soul check. It was in um, all these different languages worship was going forth. It was multicultural, you know, uh, multi-denominational. 
Two, now with the Haggai Project is building individuals as houses of prayer, individuals as God's habitation. And I believe in the end by building, you know, one million believers as houses of prayer, which that's our goal, that then even the corporate gatherings will be that much more powerful. Amen. Well, I want to touch base on that for a moment. You know, it's interesting because you're saying how when you were going through Haggai, you know, uh, the taping of our podcast today, which will actually air at just at the end of the month of Tishri, you know, Rosh Hashanah began September 18th at sundown. First, it's the new year, the Jewish New Year, which is the year 5781. It's the, it's the first month of the civil year in the Jewish calendar, but it's also the, month, the seventh month in the ecclesiastical calendar. And it was the book of Haggai, chapter 2, that really is at the 21st day of the month of Tishri is when God spoke and said, speak to Zerubbabel, to Joshua, to all the people. He says, when all these circumstances happen, when, when heaven and earth, sea and dry land are shaken, don't fear, be of courage. My spirit remains with you. And then he goes on to say, if you go past this circumstance, past the board, the brick, so to speak, as you talked about earlier, look past the circumstance that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. So what a timely, timely uh, ministry that God's given you. So let's go from soul check, because that was basically, t- it was uh, from evening until early morning, the one that I was a part of also over at the uh, Reliant Arena. And you had all these different uh, ministries crossing racial, denominational lines that were just back-to-back worship and, and singing and, and calling upon the Lord, like a, restoring the altar of worship and restoring that place first before we can move into actual long-term revival or reformation. Yes. So then now you've got this book called uh, Praying the uh, Jesus Devotional. Tell us a little bit about the book and what, it, and what it is and how people can get it. Okay, so Praying What Jesus Says, you can get it at thehaggaiproject.live. That's the website. And when you click on store, you can purchase uh, the book. It actually supports Haggai Project. And which is building believers as houses of prayer. And so this, this book, what the Lord placed on my heart, actually the second year when I did praying the 100 days, the Lord had me pray literally through Jesus's words. So I actually, for every word that Jesus has ever spoken, I've actually created a prayer, but we wanted something a little bit more, you know, digestible. And so I, I believe this is the first of a series where I could really be as thorough as I um, desire in, in hitting every single word of Jesus. But what I love about this book is the Lord so organized it that every word Jesus said that is found simultaneously in the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is contained within this 31 journey. So what's so beautiful about that, it's thorough. It's thorough in the sense that everything Jesus said and all of, that is written down in all of the Synoptic Gospels is contained in the book. And so when you read the book, you have all the scripture laid out. And, and I want to emphasize, I, I loved what my publisher did. They really heard me when I was saying, we need to make this um, visually appealing and digestible. And they did. Like when you look at a day, it's like, oh my goodness, you, it's that creativity of God meshing with the word of God. And you see this in this book. And so you have the word and you also have, um, of course, a section of let's agree, which deals with the, you know, basic theology of what Jesus is uh, sharing at that moment. 
And then the, the most, the culminating point is the prayer. And what's, what's important, I kind of alluded to that the Lord taught me this prayer strategy, the RDTP prayer strategy when I was in Guam. And I basically implemented it in all my life. And I teach it in the Haggai Project uh, for one of the sessions because it's so powerful. You start out with repentance. So you read what Jesus spoke. And then you just see whether you're, it's concerning yourself or you're praying for someone else, you repent. And you close all that legal right that the enemy has in your life. Because, you know, the, the spiritual world is based off of legal right. And just like Adam and Eve gave over their legal right in the garden when they fell and they disobeyed God, you know, we as believers, even though Jesus Christ has the victory, the way we give over our legal right is when we make agreement with the demonic. And the way to take back that legal right is through repentance and having the fruit of repentance in our lives. So, you know, we start out with repentance because that's pricking our personal hearts of Oh Lord, maybe how have I missed what you've actually desired? And in doing so, we're creating alignment with the kingdom of God and breaking all alignment with the kingdom of darkness. Then we enter into declarations, which this is the word of God. This is the, this is the meaty, luscious part. This is us wielding our sword and cutting at what needs to be cut away. And also, I would say, even with the sword, building and chopping and shaping what needs to be formed in our lives. And so that's why those two are so necessary. First, repentance before we start using the sword, because if we don't repent and we're using the sword, there's still legal right for the enemy to be present. And so you're kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're wasting energy. And, you know, for me, as we were talking about, there's so many things I have to do in my day-to-day -day life. I can't waste my energy. Like when I pray, I needed to be effective. I needed to be efficient. And the way the Lord has shown me to do this, repent first, then use the word and go at it with the sword and then follow up with thanksgiving, which is again, that, that release of faith, you know, cause we only think that which we actually believe is going to happen. So it's either cultivating faith because I, I completely recognize as some people read this book and even one of the endorsers said, this could be a real challenge for people who have, you know, been, um, uh, how would I say, saved for a long time in the sense of it's challenging. However, you know what, if you're standing in faith concerning something that Jesus said, thank him for it ahead of time after you've repented and after you've declared that word. And then it's the finishing touch of praise. And the praise, you know, truly when we pray, it can be slightly exhausting because we're actually, you know, engaging the spiritual realm and the spiritual realm is real. And so when, when that happens, you know, praising God and, and letting, you know, God inhabits the praise of his people and allowing him to fill us anew and allowing him just be able to, again, establish that habitation and, and fellowship and focus um, just is, is a little, you know, a little bow on the gift that he has given us. And I would say being able to repent is an absolute gift from God. Being able to have his word and to use it and to, you know, fight and yet shake and build with it is a gift. And being able to thank God even before something has happened, but knowing by faith that it will happen and he will honor his word is a gift. And so then we just praise him 
for the gift that he has given us and the gift that we have been able to articulate and push forward in the spiritual realm. And then we are excited. Either we're going to have to persevere again at another point because there's been a release, but someone or even ourselves has made the choice to kind of go back into that you know, darkness, but then again, we repent and we go forward and that's how we battle. That's that perseverance for some things in a split second, it will be knocked out in other things. We have to constantly persevere, but God wins. Let us not forget to persevere. Well, yes, you've said a lot of things here that would take a whole nother podcast for us to get into, but I want to touch a couple. I I like the way you use the word uh, legal rights that we give up legal rights or we can stand on our legal rights based on proper alignment with God. And, and then you said something else because repentance, there's a difference between repentance and being remorseful. Remorseful is to say, I'm sorry for being caught. Repentance is saying, wow, I recognize that I, that I have opened myself up and have done this thing and I need to turn from this thing. That's the difference between repentance and remorse. And it's interesting that as your book has come out, this is also known as the Global Year of the Bible, which, uh, which is amazing because this is all established in 2018-19, getting ready for 2020. And who would have recognized that we need to get back into God's word so we understand our legal rights, so we can understand where we've been out of alignment or untethered. So it's a moment, not to walk in, in fear, in the sense of fear of God being upset with us, but more, God, by your grace, thank you that you're, rec- you're helping me to understand and gain wisdom so I can realign myself with my legal rights under your covering. Amen. I think you, you, you stated that perfectly. Oh, well, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know we just have a couple moments left, but I just really believe in praying the word, especially it gives us a language it gives us an understanding on how to be aligned in, with God's character, nature, word, and spirit, and also then helps us to get into that place of authentic presence in God. So it's a habitation. That was another thing you brought up, habitation, the difference between habitation and visitation. If I invite somebody to my home and say, hey, my, mi casa es su casa, you know, my house is your house, feel comfortable, and they're using our guest room. If I go and leave, and my wife and I go out shopping, come back, and they've sold our furniture and repainted the walls and put new things up, Uh, what we're saying is feel comfortable. Our house is your house, but uh, we still own this house. But if I were to say, here is the title to the house, it's yours. They can have free right to change everything. So if God has been given the title of our lives to have a habitation rather than just being a guest or a visitor, and he has the right to change the paintings on the walls of our heart. He has a right to change our mind, our thinking, our response, and and how we, we do things. And so I believe that we need the habitation of God if we're going to see any long-term change in a generation that is so volatile right now that we need the habitation, not just inviting God to be our visitor from time to time. We need him to take control and lordship of our hearts and lives. Yeah, amen. And then again, it, it gives that vision. So revival is inevitable if you have the, the heart and the thought of habitation. And revival will be sustained if the end goal is always habitation. Because when you're in habitation, everyone around you cannot help but make a choice. And that choice would be either they'll serve God or they won't. 
Um, and then it will just be cultivating. And, and, you know, I think in the end, when Jesus comes for his bride, you know, he's going to come for a bride that has been habitating in him, you know, spotless, you know, without blemish. It actually, and I would posit that that bride will look like a house of prayer. So individually, the believers will be a house of prayer that corporately come together and they habitate in God's presence. And then from there, that is um, who Jesus is coming for. Amen. Well, I want you to tell us how they can get your 31-day devotional, how to find out more about the Haggai Project, and then pray for those that are listening today and those will be listening later on this podcast. Awesome. So the book, Praying What Jesus Says, you can get that on the website, thehaggaiproject.live. 100% of the proceeds go to the Haggai Project, which is focused on building believers as houses of prayer. And this is what we offer at the Haggai Project. We offer an online program that then leads into a retreat. The online program, the next online program, we just started one, and that's going to be the last one for this year. And the next one, though, starts February 1st, 2021, and you can sign up now. It's a great way to start off the year, and it's seven weeks. It's a self-paced journey through this online program with weekly live coaching calls with me. So what happens is someone goes to the program, watches the videos, does the action items, which basically take about an hour and a half um, on average for one week. And then from there, they are ready by having questions ready or sending me preliminary questions to meet. I talk, go over the questions, and then we have a discussion of the group. So we have found that there's just a lot of bonding that occurs uh, with God and just with the people of the group. Each group has been handpecked by God. So I've, get to, I've gotten to see this and it's, it's, been, it's been very rich for me. In fact, I want to say this testimony. We had one person in Nigeria who uh, just went to his computer one day, opened it up, and the, the Holy Spirit whispered to him, Haggai Project. And he was like, Haggai Project? I've never heard of that. And he went, looked us up, found us, and he joined our class. So that was the class when we had four nations represented. Uh, the Lord wanted to highlight the nations, and we had Nigeria, Canada, England, and the United States. So, you know, from there, we, we have this, you know, seven-week journey with the live coaching classes, and everyone launches into praying 100 days. Because, you know, before the passage that, that you highlighted in um, Haggai 2, there's actually a confirmation where it says that word of the Haggai saying you have nothing, you know, you're lacking basically to God's people, even though they've been in the promised land for 18 years, that word had gone forth on the first day of the sixth month. But the people took 24 days. It's my favorite passage of the Bible because the, actually the people listened to the prophet and they responded and they obeyed and they honored God. And so they took 24 days to get all their supplies together and probably get you know the, the, the working schedule together. And that's what I consider the online program those 24 days, getting our soul together, getting, you know, our, our mental uh, strategies and our prayer strategies, you know, together. And, and from there, then they launched into building. And so when we launch into building, it is 100 days of praying the word of God. And for them, they launched and it was on that third month that God sent word through Haggai, which they started the 24th day of the sixth month. The word came 
uh, from God to Haggai on the 24th day of the ninth month. And he said, now from now on, you'll be blessed. So there is an intricate promise that as we obey God and we build ourselves as a house of prayer, after three months of building ourselves into a house of prayer, we're not fully a house of prayer, but what are we? We will thrive. We will be blessed of God as we continue to build ourselves as a house of prayer. So for taking that promise, that's why we, you know, have everybody pray for 100 days. And then there's the availability of to go to a retreat. And the theme of the retreat is entering the tent of meeting. Mm. So I'll just leave it at that. Wow. Well, pray for those that are listening to the podcast. And I've been excited about the last uh, few podcasts we've had. We've really emphasized on presence, prayer, and, uh, and also the habitation of God as well and God's word. And in fact, we have Lou Engel is going to be coming on with us on one of our upcoming podcasts, along with Cheon and others. We've had Dan Bernard from 50 Day Fight and others. And I really believe we're at a time we need to get back into focus on vertical worship, uh, humble posture, vertical worship, and uh, for God to do what only he can do. So it's been great to have you today, Natasha. Of course, we've been longtime friends, honored to to journey with you. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and pray for those that are listening that they would also uh, become a habitation of the Lord. Lord, we come before you. And the first thing we, we do, Lord, is repent. We repent, Lord God, for every time we've rejected you. We repent, Lord God, every time that you have nudged us because you wanted to be close to us and speak to us and, and, and share your heart with us. And yet we just didn't have time. God, we repent for every time, Lord, that we have made alignments with the demonic, that we have chose the kingdom of darkness rather than the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. God, we come before you and we repent, Almighty Father, for every word we have spoken, every thought we have had, every act we have done, Lord God, that has been wicked in your sight. That has been something, Lord God, that you have not been pleased with. God, we desire to please you. God, you call us to be holy as you are holy. Lord, we desire, Lord God, to live out the holiness, that set-apartness, that that place, Lord God, that, that we can hold up, Lord God, your presence within us. Lord, so many times you you speak about, Lord, our temple, Lord, and the defilement that we as your people have done to the temple of God, which is us. And Lord, we repent. Lord, we desire your, your temple, which is us as believers, because when we get saved, we have the spirit of God dwelling within us. Lord, we desire that temple, Lord God, to be a fully holy place where you, Lord God, make us your footstool, make us a place where you habitate, make us, Lord God, where our flesh, where our soul, which is our mind, our will and emotions, where, Lord God, our spirit is fully aligned with you. Lord, we desire that alignment. We so desire that alignment with you and your word and your heart. We truly desire to be Christians. We truly, Lord God, desire, Lord God, for everything that has been written in our book, Lord God, to be fulfilled so that when we see you, 
We hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my presence. The presence, Lord God, that we have been cultivating here on earth, God. We thank you, Lord God, that this is a time of change for us individually, for our families, for our neighborhoods, for our cities, for our nation, for the world. We thank you, Lord God, that you will individually speak to us. Lord, that that fire, Lord God, that only comes from your presence, Lord, will come into us, Almighty Father. And Lord God, that it will be that fire, that Lord, if there has been anything that has not been of you, may that fire burn it up. May it burn up that dross. May Lord God, anything, Lord God, that we have done in your name, which has not been of you, may it be burned up. May we recognize the mistake of our ways, Lord God, and be able to repent, but know that in our repentance, there is a renewal and that Lord, that God, that fire within us now will be placed so that we immediately obey you and only you, not our flesh, not unclean spirits, not man, but you. May we be solely, Lord God, ones with a focus on you and your habitation, God, so that, Lord, we execute for you, but with an intimacy, with a personalness, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that the love that overwhelms us will overwhelm others, Lord God, as we operate in obedience to you. Yes, and we yes. thank you, Lord, for this. And I bless everyone in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today on another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. It's been great to have our, our friend Natasha Miller with us today, uh, praying what Jesus says, her 31-day devotional and Haggai Project. I know for me, and this could be an encouragement to each of you, a challenge, uh, that whenever I've gone through some really difficult times and I just need to get all the, the noise pollution out, I pull away, and all I do is I read through all the red letters of what Jesus said in the New Testament, just the words of Jesus, just to saturate my mind with what would Jesus say, what would Jesus do, so to speak. And so this devotional that Natasha put together would be a great resource to also pray, uh, and, and literally what Jesus, pray, uh, Jesus says, and, and I think it's an important tool right now, especially in light of where we are today, a lot of external noise pollution, external influence. What we need is to hear from the Lord again for the habitation of God's presence so God can do what only he can do. So thank you, everybody, for joining us again. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope, like me, you were encouraged by Natasha's story. You can find out more about the Haggai Project, order her book, Praying What Jesus Says, and sign up to be one of the one million houses of prayer by going to her website, thehaggaiproject.live. There's also a link in today's episode notes. Well, Doug challenged us this week to read the red letters, which are the very words of Jesus found in the Bible. There are many versions that offer red letter editions, and you can find those through your favorite bookseller, like christianbook.com. You can also, if you use the YouVersion Bible app, you can set it to show red letters on any translation where that's available. We included a link in our episode notes to show you how to make sure that that is on. As always, we are praying for each and every one of our listeners to have a great week. And we encourage you to share word in season today with a friend or maybe on your social media platform.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.